0: Well, you guys ready today for part three of Redig the Wells? Anybody excited about that? You guys have been getting something from this series? Well, if you got your Bibles with you this morning, uh, I'm going to ask you, uh, and before we read this verse, I'm going to say a few introductory comments about uh, this message. First of all, Brother Les, wherever wherever he's at, uh, what he about communion has everything to do with this message. So somehow we must have been hearing from the same Holy Spirit Amen. because I didn't talk to Brother Les about anything, but everything he said during communion has everything to do with this message today. And we're actually we're going to talk about two different wells this morning, not just one, because they go together. And uh, I'll tell you what they are in a second. But before we get into that, uh, if you haven't been here on Sunday mornings, which this is the third week of Redig the Wells. We 're talking about redig the wells, and let me give you the quick recap, just so you know where we 're starting today. We talked about how Isaac went back and redug the wells of his father Abraham, and we know that wells in the Bible are symbolic of life, of refreshing, a blessing, and a life is um, the, the wells is talking about, in that passage, is talking about a place where if there wasn't any water, there was no life. If there wasn't any wells, there was no life. You would either have to move or you'd have to find a new well. And so we see that wells are significant because they're the place of power. They're the place of life and refreshing and resource. And we're not talking about a physical well, but today we're going to be talking about, like we have the past several weeks, a spiritual well of life and refreshing. And they're wells that have been dug by previous generations, generations and generations of believers. Uh, from the early church to now that are foundational truths in God's word that we need to redig again as a church, as believers in our life. And we've been talking about that on Sunday morning. Now, these are, these are really basic foundational things, but sometimes we can get away from them, but they are actually the things that has the power in it to change our lives. They are sometimes called old school or the old ways, but they're old school because they're true. And they've been around a long time because they actually work. And because God in his word is true. And these things have been around thousands of years of believers in Jesus. So the first well we dug was the well of faith. Because we should always be faith people. And we serve a faith God. And this is a faith church. And how many know the Bible says it is impossible to please God but by faith. And it says the just shall live by faith. And so faith is something we should never get away from, that we believe God. And uh, it's kind of different today, but we can be a church who actually believes the Bible. Let's just try that for, you know, something new. Um, We're going to call ourselves believers and then actually believe something. What a novel idea uh, that is. Because there's a lot of people that go to church, they say they're believers, they say they have faith, They don't believe anything in here. They only believe the part that says, you know, if I say this prayer, I'm going to go to heaven. And they barely believe that. But how many know faith is way bigger than that? It's much broader than that. It's a lifestyle, and God wants you to live by faith and actually believe something. And when you believe, then God can move in your life. If you don't believe him, he's not going to move in your life. you got to believe him. All right, I'm not preaching about faith. Uh, And then last week, we talked about the power of the Holy Spirit. We should never get away from the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is God, and He is the power of God to do everything we're called to do as believers. He is our helper, and He is the power of God in our life. We should never be ashamed of the Holy Spirit, and we're not around here. We're not weird, but we're also not ashamed of Him, and we're not ashamed to be a spirit-filled, tongue-talking, devil-casting-out, healing-believing church. (laughs) Not ashamed of it. Why? Because everyone in your Bible believed that way. It wasn't the obscure church behind the tracks in the hood that only believed God. No. Every church in the New Testament that you're reading in your Bible was a tongue-talking, spirit-filled, devil-casting-out, healing-believing faith church. Every one of these people in here. So don't let other people or other believers make you feel weird or odd like you're the odd man out. No, they are, actually. What you believe is right and it is true. And these early believers, the early church, they believed all these things. That's why they saw the results they saw. So faith, first week. Last week, the power of the Holy Spirit. This week, we're going to double up. Double up. Everybody say double up. talk about two wells, and I mentioned this a second ago, but Brother Les was reading my Holy Spirit email this week because he quoted some things that I'm going to talk about today. But well number three and number four today, and they go together. That's why I'm talking about them together, is the well of healing and deliverance. The well of healing and deliverance. I don't have a fancy title today because we're just going to teach the word of God. It's healing and deliverance. So if you got your Bibles with you, let's turn over to Psalm 105 in verse 37. I think, brother, let's just quote it. this, didn't he? In the Passion Translation, it says, At last God freed all the Hebrews from their slavery and sent them away laden with silver and the gold of Egypt, and not even one was feeble on their way out. Notice that. At last, God freed all the Hebrews from their slavery. What's that? Deliverance. And sent them away laden with silver and gold of Egypt. What's that? Prosperity. Now, I'm not even talking about prosperity, but we just threw that in there just for fun. And not even one was feeble on their way out. So nobody was sick. Nobody was diseased. Everyone was strong and able to do everything that they were called to to do. So we're going to be talking today about healing and deliverance. Two wells, well three and well four, healing and deliverance. But I want to talk about them because they always go together in your Bible. And I want to say this at the beginning of this message, that it is 100% God's will that you are healed of everything, every time. That's his perfect will. It's also God's Perfect will that you are delivered of everything, every time. Not just physically delivered, but delivered in your mind, your will, your emotions, your thoughts. He does not want you to be tormented. If you're living a life like that, it's not his perfect will. He wants you to be completely healed and delivered. That's God's perfect will. And so I want to give you two quick definitions of healing and deliverance. Healing the definition of healing is to make one whole, sound, and healthy again. That's the definition of healing today. The definition of deliverance is the act of being rescued or set free. The act of being rescued or set free. So it's God's will, it's His perfect will that we are healed physically, emotionally, spiritually, and also that we are delivered from every enemy, whether that's physical, whether that's mental, whether that's emotional. It's God's complete, perfect will that we walk in healing and deliverance. That's God's will, and that's what we're going to talk about today, because these are foundational truths that they believed in all these years. The early church practiced this and lived this they prayed for people for healing, and they saw healing, miracle signs, and wonders. You also see in the early church, they believed in deliverance. They would cast out devils and see people set free. This is not a weird sideshow thing. This is your Bible. And this is what the real believers in the early church believed and practiced, and we need to redig again those wells at Church on the Rock. Now, I know dad won't let you get away from that, but I won't either. Because that's what we believe as a church, because that's what God's word says. Now, how can I say that it's God's 100% will that we are healed and delivered every time of everything? Because God's word is God's will. God's word is God's will. Do you want to know his will or do you want to know somebody's opinion? Because people's opinions say, well, he might do it. He may not do it. I don't know if he'll do it. Maybe he'll do it sometimes. But God's will says, yes, he will do it. He says, I am willing to heal you and deliver you every time of everything. Now, people will say different sometimes. Experience and circumstances will say different. But God's word is true. And every man or experience or even your feelings are liars. Because God's word is God's will. So I'm going to have a lot of scriptures today, more than normal. You're going to think the spirit of Dr. Jacobs has come on, Pastor Jordan, today. Maybe it has. He is my dad. But I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures, more than normal, just to reassure you, God's will is in his word. And this is not just one or two verses. This is a lot of verses that say It's His will to heal and deliver every time of everything. I know I'm emphasizing that point, but I want us to be very clear before we go any further into this message that it's God's perfect will for healing and deliverance in our lives. So, you guys ready to take this journey with me today? Healing and deliverance. Well, first of all, if we want to see God's will, perfect will, We need to go back to the beginning. We need to go back to Genesis. If you want to know the way that God wanted this planet and this life to be, you got to go back to the garden. you got to go back to Adam and Eve before sin happened. Before sin happened, Adam and Eve in the garden lived in complete healing and wholeness. They didn't even know what sickness and disease was because there wasn't any. They never felt pain. They never got hurt. They never got a cold. None of that ever happened because they lived in perfect and complete healing and wholeness in the garden with God. They never needed needed to be delivered because they didn't have an enemy. They never had a physical enemy. They never had wrong thoughts or wrong things attacking them. Nothing at all. They were in perfect mental and emotional health because they were in God's perfect will and perfect plan. They lived in complete abundance. They had every food they could ever imagine. They could go anywhere in the entire world. They lived in complete abundance and prosperity. So if you want to know God's perfect will for the way he wanted us to live as human beings, you got to go back to the garden, And see how it was before sin and the enemy came to this planet and messed everything up. So we see that God's perfect will and perfect plan is that we would live completely whole, sound, spirit, soul, and body in his complete abundance. But what happened? When the enemy came, and we know the enemy came as a serpent, the devil. He came and he tempted Eve. And she uh, literally bit on the temptation That wasn't a preacher joke, but it just came out that way. She bit the apple or the orange or whatever it was, the tangerine. She took the fruit, and then Adam took the fruit, and they sinned. And as soon as sin happened, sickness, disease, pain, mental torment, poverty, all of that came into this planet. And we see as soon as sin happened, then... All those things came into this earth, came into this world, and God's perfect will and his perfect plan were messed up because of man's choices. Let's be clear, man's choices, not God's choice, man's choices because he gave them a free will. But we see God knew that was going to happen, and he already had provision and redemption and restoration available for his people. And we see just in the the first few books of the Bible, we see that God would reach out to certain people, certain men, certain women, and say, I want to make a covenant with you because I'm trying to redeem you. I'm trying to restore you because you're living in a fallen, cursed state, and you're living far beneath what I provided, and I want to redeem you because it's not my perfect will. That you're sick and you're hurting and you're struggling mentally and you're living in poverty and lack and shame and guilt. It's not my perfect will. So he would reach out to men like Noah and Abraham and Isaac and and Jacob and Joshua and Joseph and Moses. We see all these Old Testament people. He would grab them and say, I want to redeem you and make a covenant with you because that's my plan. And I have a plan of redemption. I have a plan of restoration because I want to get you back into my perfect will. You guys follow me so far? So we see just even the very beginning of our Bible, we see that God made a covenant with Abraham. He made a covenant with Abraham, and we see one of the things that happened with Abraham in the covenant was, yes, he was prosperous, but you see that Abraham lived long And was healthy and strong his whole life because God in his will was healing and wholeness. We see that Isaac, same way. Isaac, his son, same covenant. Isaac lived a long time and he was healthy and whole and strong and lived out his days. Jacob was healthy and whole and strong. Why? Because these men of God had a covenant with God and they entered into this covenant of healing and deliverance with God Almighty even under that Old Covenant. We see that Isaac and then Jacob and then Joseph, all these men and women of God in the Bible had a covenant of healing and deliverance, even under that Old Testament. But I want to go a little bit further because in Exodus, we see that God's people had gone into slavery. So now he's not just dealing with one or two men and women, he's dealing with a whole nation of people that are God's people. And we see that God's people went into Egypt, which is the land of the enemy, and they were slaves in Egypt for many, many years. But God says, I want to do something for you because it's not my will that you're enslaved the rest of your life. Come on now, somebody. It's not my will that you're tormented and you're beat up and you have an oppressor that's, that's hurting you and harming you. That's not my will. And so God made a covenant and said, I'm going to deliver you. Deliverance. I'm going to deliver you because it's not my will that you're in bondage to anyone or anything. And how many know deliverance? We read this earlier. It is the act of being rescued or set free. And we see that God brought his people, delivered his people out of Egypt. They went into, uh, through the Red Sea into the wilderness and ultimately into the promised land. But something happened before they went into the promised land. God made a covenant with his people, because it's always his will to heal and deliver, of healing. He revealed himself as a healer. Now stay with me. I know I'm teaching you some today. And we see that when God's people came out of Egypt, that's deliverance. Can I get amen on that? But then they... Left Egypt, and how many know when they left Egypt, Pharaoh had a reality check. They said, oh, what, what just happened here? What just happened here? I just let all my free labor go. What am I going to do? And they left with the silver and the gold. And so we see Pharaoh and his armies chased God's people down, and they went to the Red Sea. And how many know the Red Sea was a place where they couldn't cross just naturally? They couldn't get through it just naturally. It wasn't just Jacob's Creek down the hill. It wasn't even Silver Creek. It wasn't even the Ohio River. It was the Red Sea. Sea. They couldn't just get over the Red Sea. So God did something miraculous, and he parted the Red Sea. They walked right through it onto dry ground over to the other side. And then when the enemy came, it says the waters took out the enemy when they were crossing the Red Sea deliverance more deliverance but how many know that's a type in the shadow for us because God's will and God's plan is we come out of the hands of the enemy we get delivered that's what we receive when we receive salvation we are delivered from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light From the kingdom of the enemy to the kingdom of his dear son. And we are delivered out of Egypt. Which Egypt is a type of the world. It's a type of the enemy. And then we go through the Red Sea. Which the Red Sea is the blood. And when we cross the Red Sea or the blood of Jesus. The enemy has to stay behind. And he gets taken out because he cannot go past the blood. In the same way with Brother Les said awesome this morning. He said... Uh, about the blood over the doorpost in the Passover. The blood was applied, and he could not cross over the blood. The enemy had to stop. He had to pass over. But it's the same with the, with the Red Sea. The Red Sea is a type and a shadow for us because when we go through the Red Sea or the blood of Jesus, we go out on the other side, and the enemy, he can't touch us anymore. He has no legal right to unless we give him one. And we go into the wilderness and ultimately the promised land. Now, before they went into the promised land, God cut a covenant with his people. A covenant is just a promise. It's a promise. It's God saying, I promise you I'm going to do this. That's what a covenant is. And we see that God made a promise to his people that I'm going to be the Lord, your healer. Now, why did he do that before they went into the promised land? Well, there's a lot of reasons. The first reason, like I said earlier, is because he loves us and we are his people. And he, it was never his will that we were sick and diseased and tormented and, and in the hands of the enemy. It was never his will. So he wants us to get back in his perfect will, which is to be healthy and strong and whole spirit soul, mind, will, and emotions, and body. That's his perfect will. So that's his number one reason for promising us that he's going to be the Lord, our healer. But also, he wanted his people to be different than everybody else that they were going to come in contact with. There was going to be a large gap between how God's people were living and how the world was living. And it still should be that way today. Yes, God wants you to be healed just because he loves you. But also that your life would be a witness that you're not like everybody else. And you don't just get all the flu that's coming through town every year like everybody else. That you're not always struggling like everybody else. No, God wants to have a people that he can say, that's my people. And look what I'm doing in their life. And they're different than everybody else. Not in an arrogant way. Not in a prideful way. But so God can show out on your behalf. And so when they went into the promised land, he said, I want to establish this promise that you're going to look different than everybody you come into contact with. Because they're serving false gods. And you'll see the results that they get, but you're serving the true and living God. And your life should look different if you're serving the real and true God. You shouldn't just blend in with the culture, blend in with the defeat, blend in with the sickness, blend in with the poverty, blend in with the depression. Oh, I'm just struggling like you are. Why? If we are, we're living beneath what God has provided for us. Now, we've all been there. I've been through hell and high water 20 times over lately. But God's perfect will is perfect health and completely delivered. Come on now, somebody. So God says, I want a people, and I want them to live different. You're going to need to look different than everybody else. Exodus 15 26, let's read this there because that's when he makes his covenant promise. He said, if you will listen, man, now I'll preach, won't it? <laughs> How many know that's usually the reason we're in the mess we're in? If you would listen, can you hear God's voice? If you would just stink and listen, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God. And do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees. Then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I set on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. This is his covenant promise to God's people. He's revealing himself. He says... I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians. Now we know, you've been taught well in this church, in the original language, that doesn't mean God sent it. It means God allowed it to happen. How many know you can have whatever you want in your life? God will allow you to choose whatever you want to choose. And if you choose to disobey God, you're opening the door to the enemy. So it's not God sending, it's God allowing. And since the Egyptians were stubborn and hard-headed, how many know that? They had the door wide open for the enemy. So guess what? They had all the sickness and disease they wanted. But God says, you shouldn't be like that because you need to listen. Because I want to be the Lord who heals you. And he says, I'm not going to make you go through any of these things the Egyptians or the world is going through because I am the Lord. Who heals you. Now, that that name, the Lord who heals you, in the original, it's one of the names of God revealed in the Old Testament, is Jehovah Rapha, which means the Lord our healer. How many know we believe the Lord our Savior, but He's just as much the Lord our healer. He's the Lord our protector, He's the Lord our deliverer, He's the Lord our peace, He's the Lord our joy, He's the Lord our provider. He's all of those things, He's not just Savior. So, God reveals his name, Jehovah Rapha, in this verse. For I am the Lord who heals you. So, that was one of the first covenant promises that God says, I'm going to restore and get you back into my perfect will, people. And I'm going to be the Lord your healer. How many received that today? God's promise to us is He would be the Lord our healer. He wants to heal us every time of everything. And he also wants to be our deliverer. Psalm 105:37. Let's read it again in the Passion we read it at the beginning. But I want to read this again because this is what I was just talking about. Psalm 105. says, At last God freed all the Hebrews from their slavery, deliverance, and he sent them away laden with silver and the gold of Egypt. And not even one was feeble on their way out. Now, let's leave this up there for a second. Not even one was feeble on the way out. So God delivered his people, but he also healed his people. Because when they left, how many know there was young people, there was old people, there was middle-aged people. There was people of all different backgrounds. There were some, would say, hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of God's people. And when they came out of Egypt, there was not one feeble one among them. Now, you realize these people were not living at the Ritz-Carlton. These people were slaves who barely had any food, who were getting beat every day of their lives, who are working seven days a week, no days off. So how many know most of those people in the natural would be pretty beat up, pretty tired, probably pretty sickly, because they've been living as slaves their whole life. But God did something so supernatural. When he delivered them, he healed them at the same time. And when he brought them out, he didn't bring them out struggling. He brought them out with not one feeble one among them. Some translations, when I was looking it up, it said when it says that not one feeble one among them, some would say uh, in different translations, they said that none of them stumbled. Uh, Another commentary I, I read about that, it says they were as strong to go to battle you talk about some grandmas and grandpas were strong to go to battle? Yes. That's what the Bible says, that everybody from the youngest to the oldest of God's people, when they came out of Egypt, were strong enough to go to battle. When they've been living as slaves. Because God did something supernatural. He not just delivered them physically, but he healed their bodies and gave them supernatural strength to go to the promised land. Because it's God's perfect will to heal and deliver. And he is the Lord, our healer. You guys still here today? Let's look over at the book of uh, another verse in Psalm, Psalm 103, verse 2 and 5. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins. And notice this, and he heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death. What's that, deliverance? And he crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things, and my youth is renewed like the eagles. How many know when God's people came out? He had to do some renewing, he had to do some extreme makeover. And he did. So we see in the book of Psalms, it says he heals all our diseases. He forgives all of our sins. He delivers our life from destruction. And then the first verse there, it said, in some translations it said, don't forget all his benefits. A lot of believers, church-going people, only talk about one benefit. Well, I'm going to heaven that's great, it's great, but I'm going to live like hell till I get there, it's going to be tough, it's going to be rough, you're forgetting his benefits, did he say that, no, he said forget on all of his benefits, yes, you're going to heaven, great, But he said, until you get there, I'm going to forgive all of your sins. And I'm going to heal all of your diseases. And I'm going to redeem your life. And I'm going to only bring you good things. And I'm going to renew your strength. Forget not all of his benefits, church. That's what his word says. And God's word is God's will. Let's read another verse, Psalm 107. I heard Miss Dawn on that. I must have been preaching good. Psalm 107, verse 19. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them out of their distress. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. I love that. He sent his word and he healed us and he delivered us from all of our destructions. Why? Because it's God's will that we are healed and delivered, healed and delivered. It's interesting to note that it says, from their destructions, kind of implying that it was your fault. <laughs> and God still came in, delivered you, set you free, rescued you. Because I mean, know majority of the time it is our fault. And we get into something we shouldn't have done, and we made a wrong decision. And God says, I'm so good. I love you so much, and my mercy is so good. I'm going to come not just heal you, but I'm going to deliver you from your own destruction, from your own bad attitude, from your own dumb choices, from your own wrong directions. Why? Because I'm just that good. And I love you. And it's a covenant promise that he wants to heal us and deliver us. Come on, you receive that today. God wants to heal us And deliver us. It's his will. And they go together. So, can I take a few more steps this morning? Let's keep going in our Bibles, talking about healing and deliverance. We're going to go to the New Testament. And I want to talk about Jesus' relationship to healing and deliverance. Before we go into uh, Jesus and his... Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Because how I mean know oh, He is God. He is our Savior. And He reveals the will of God to us. Before we talk about Jesus and healing and deliverance, I want to say this. Now, when I'm talking about healing, I'm talking mainly about, it could be a lot of different ways, because I know God can heal a lot of different things, but when I'm talking about healing, I'm talking about you physically being healed of sickness, disease, pain, discomfort. That's what I'm talking about mainly today. Now, I know God's bigger than that, but that's the definition I'm using and thinking about when I'm talking. But also, I want to add this about deliverance because we see something that happens from the Old Testament to the New Testament about deliverance. We see in the Old Testament, it was mainly a deliverance that God would deliver them from the hands of the enemy in the sense of he would bring them out of Egypt or he would deliver them in battle. Or he would deliver them out of somebody who was trying to kill kill them. Or it was always an outward, physical, tangible deliverance. Mainly in the Old Testament. And I think it had to be that way because the people in the Old Testament were spiritually dead. So God physically, tangibly had to deliver them from their enemy. But we see in the New Testament it changes because really our battle is not against flesh and blood. Yes. Our real battle is against spiritual forces, spiritual things that the people in the Old Testament didn't know about. And we see that this change happens. Let me teach you. We see this change happens between the Old Testament and the New Testament. We see that in the New Testament, it's not so much a physical, tangible deliverance from an army or somebody trying to kill them. It's a mental, emotional deliverance. Because in reality, that's the root. Because your real battle is not people. It's a spiritual force that's attacking you in your mind, your will, or your emotions. And how many know they didn't know that in the Old Testament? They were spiritually dead, so God just had to outwardly deliver them in all these tangible ways. Now, I believe God can still do that. But we see the emphasis changes to people being delivered from demonic oppression in their mind and their thoughts. And their feelings, because that is where the enemy targets us. The battleground is our mind. The enemy attacks us and tries to oppress us, not so much in slavery in Egypt anymore, but it's slavery in our mind. It's oppression in our mind. It's torment in our mind. And we see that it changes in the New Testament, in Jesus' ministry, That deliverance is not just tangible anymore, it's in your soul. You guys follow me today? So I just want to make that clarification before we jump into the New Testament. Because really that's your real battle. For most of you in here, you're not fighting a war, are you? For most of you, there's not people chasing you down like they chased David down to kill them. That's not you. Your enemy is trying to do it, but he does it in your soul. You're fighting a war, but it's not over in Iraq or Afghanistan. You're fighting a war in your mind. There's somebody trying to kill you, but they're not trying to kill you physically. They're trying to kill you in your mind. There's somebody trying to put you into slavery, but not in Egypt. It's in your mind. And God's will is that you would be perfectly healed in your body, but delivered and set free in your mind and your will and your emotions and your soul. And he wants you to be mentally and emotionally healthy. Should I pick on this? I'm going to go pick on this. Now, before I talk about Jesus, and I just have to say this for a second, mental health has come to the forefront of the world, and it's important that it has. I agree with that. But let me say this. I'm glad that people are talking about it because all of us in here have struggled. Everybody. Don't act like anybody's exempt. No, all of us have struggled. All of us have had days we felt anxious, worried, depressed. You know, some of us even suicidal. I'm not making light of that, myself included. I've told you stories about myself. Because there's a real enemy. And mental health and emotional health is real. But I will say this. The world, and the way they talk about it, is going about it only one way. Mm -mm -mm. And you can take as much medication as you want. And you can go to as much counseling therapy sessions as you want. And you can paint, and you can read books, and you can take walks, and you can eat right, and you can exercise but you can't cast out a demon that way. I'm not against those things. You should go to a counselor if you need it. You should eat right. You should exercise. If you need medication, take it. But your faith and the answer is not in that because that can only get you partially better, not perfectly whole. And majority of people that struggle with mental and emotional issues it's not just a physical, emotional problem. It is a spiritual root. And until you deal with the root and get delivered of that thing, it will never stop. Come on now, somebody. Until you take deliverance over the enemy who's oppressing you. Because counseling cannot get rid of a devil. I just keep having the same issues. Can I keep going to the counselor? Yeah, because it's a demon. You got to get delivered, then go to counseling and watch it work. Oh, y'all don't y'all want to hear that today? That's the truth. And I'm all for doing all those things that I just said. I agree with them, and I'm trying to do some of those things myself. Why? Because God cares about a spirit, soul, and body. But you got to get to the root of the issue, and it's a spiritual issue. At the core of it. And it's God's will that we are healed in our bodies, but sound and healthy mentally and emotionally. And a lot of times that only comes from us being delivered by the power of God. All right. Anybody agree with what I just said? Okay. Okay. So we see that Jesus in the New Testament, and I'm still teaching you, Jesus in the New Testament came to reveal the will of God. He was God and is God. And he came to show us what God is like in God's will and God's plan. And we see that Jesus came on the scene and he even spoke this about himself. He stood up in the church of that day, the temple, and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me to heal. Come on. To heal the brokenhearted and deliver the captives. Jesus said, That's me. I came to do that. I came to heal and deliver the captives, and set them free to rescue you, not just in your body, but in your mind, your soul, your emotions. I came to bring that deliverance. Jesus spoke that about himself. I came, and it was anointed to heal and deliver. I'm going to give you a bunch of verses because this reveals the will of God. Everywhere that Jesus went, he preached, and then he healed and delivered. He preached, and then he healed, and delivered. You cannot separate them. So I'm going to go into a lot of verses here. Let's start in Matthew, verse 4 and 24. says, news about him, that's Jesus, spread as far as Syria, and people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. Matthew 8 and verse 16, you can just write these down. That evening, notice, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus and he cast out the evil spirits with a simple command and he healed all the sick. Let's look at Mark 1 and verse 34. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. Because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. Luke six eighteen. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those troubled by evil spirits were healed. Now, I'm not even giving you all the verses in the New Testament. Everywhere Jesus went, what did he do? He healed and he delivered. He healed the sick and he cast out devils and delivered people. Luke 6.18, I'll just read it again. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those troubled by evil spirits were healed. Luke 7.21. At that very time, Jesus cured many people of their diseases, illness and evil spirits, and he restored sight to many who were blind. So just by all these verses can we can you see the heart of God? Can you see God's perfect will? Jesus, God in the flesh, all he did was preach, heal the sick and deliver people of demons or evil spirits. Preach, heal the sick, And deliver people of evil spirits. Why? Because he was trying to get people back into God's perfect will. And perfect plan. It's God's will. To be healed. And delivered. Let's look at another verse. Acts 10. And verse 38. Acts 10.38. It says. And you know. That God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. With the Holy Spirit. And with power. Then Jesus went around doing good, and notice this, and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. That should be the dividing line. You should see Jesus came and was anointed to do good and to heal all of those who were oppressed by the devil. It's God's perfect will, church, that we are healed and delivered of everything, every time. It was his will in the Old Testament. It's his will in the New Testament. Jesus came and revealed the heart of God. He healed people, and he delivered people. And it says in the Gospels, it says, he was moved with compassion, with love, with mercy. And that's the same way that God looks at us today. When he sees you struggling physically, his heart goes out to you. His compassion goes out to you. His mercy goes out to you. When he sees you mentally struggling and you're, you're, you're having all sorts of thoughts and you feel depressed or anxious, and he knows that there is an evil spirit or a demon. I didn't say you're possessed, but he, they can come and oppress you and to give you wrong thoughts and to harass you. And when he sees that, He is moved and compassion and mercy and love towards you, and he wants to be your healer. He wants to be your deliverer, but you gotta let him. You gotta let him. It's interesting to know in the Gospels, it would say time and time again it was the people that came to Jesus that got healed, it was the people that came to Jesus that got delivered. How many know there's probably more people in that town that needed healing and deliverance, but they were too prideful to come? But it was the people that wanted it. You gotta want it, church. You gotta wanna be better. You gotta wanna be whole. You gotta wanna be healthy. You gotta wanna be delivered. You gotta wanna be mentally and emotionally healthy. You gotta want it and drop your pride. Because when you do and you come to Jesus with a humble attitude, he will bring healing to your body. He will bring, I'm preaching better than you're responding. He will bring deliverance to your mind, your will, and your emotions. But you got to want it. And it's his perfect will that you're healed and delivered. He's a good father. He doesn't want to see you struggling. Let me just ask you this. Does it give you pleasure when your kids are sick? You feel worse than they do because you love them. How much more our Heavenly Father, when we're struggling in our bodies, when we're struggling in our mind, God in his mercy and compassion, he feels for us. He loves us and he says, come to me so I can help you. Because I love you, and I don't want you to struggle anymore, and it's my perfect will. And I sent my son to show you and to pay for your complete healing and deliverance. Not just a partial life, but Jesus came that we would have life, and life more abundantly. Come on, I'm, I'm getting excited myself today. So, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. It's God's will. It's God's will. We believe that as a church. And people have been believing that for thousands of years since the early church and seeing results. And seeing healing signs and wonders and miracles. And seeing deliverance take place. It's still real. It's still true. It's still powerful because it's God's word. And it's God's promise. Just in my short life on this earth of 32 years. I've seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people delivered and set free. From demonic powers. I've seen hundreds, and not just a temporary flop around on the floor and act like they got delivered. No, a changed life after they got up. That's real deliverance. I've seen hundreds and hundreds of people. You can't come to me and tell me, oh, it doesn't work. Oh, that was, that was for the, the original apostles thousands of years ago. No, God's not doing that anymore. Yes, he is. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God is still delivering people and he's still setting people free from demonic oppression, from evil spirits, because he is more powerful than they are. He can do it. And I'll tell you one other thing. I've seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people healed physically in their bodies. It's still true. It's still real. And you know it's like the enemy to do this because I know a lot of you have seen hundreds and hundreds of people delivered and healed in this church. But isn't it like the enemy? The enemy will bring up the one person who didn't get it. I've seen hundreds and you're going to bring up the one who didn't get it. First of all, that's none of my business why they didn't get it. But look at all that God has done and the power of God that's real. But the enemy will try to say, yeah, but what about that one? You know, they didn't get delivered, so you probably won't get delivered. They didn't get their healing, so you probably won't get their healing. No, I know God's word is true. I know God's power is true. And I know it's his perfect will to heal and deliver every time. We believe it, and it's true. I want to leave you with one last verse. Did you guys get something today? Mark 16 and verse 15 and 18. Actually, could I get the the whole praise team to come up here for a second? Mark 16, 15. So this is one of the last times that Jesus talked to his disciples before he went to heaven. Mark 16 and verse 15. Notice some of his last commands to his early disciples and believers. Then he told them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. And anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Verse 17. And these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it will not hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. Now, why did I read this verse at the very end of this message? Because I wanted to tell you today. It's awesome the things that God did in the Old Testament by his power. It's awesome what Jesus did in his earthly ministry. That's great. We know it's God's will for us to be healed and delivered. But Jesus said, I'm going to go back to heaven, and I'm sending back the Holy Spirit. And he was talking to the church, which is us, to his disciples, to to us as believers, and he says, the same works I did You can do also. He went on and he said, You're going to go into all the world and preach the gospel and not a powerless gospel because there's going to be signs that follow. I'm not just going to have you get up and preach a good message and no one sees any results. Not just preaching out of another dead book from another dead religion. No, signs will follow those who believe. And he said, the ones that believe will cast out demons, will deliver people. The ones that believe will speak in new tongues. The ones that believe will have supernatural protection. The ones that believe, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Therefore, you go into all the world. He was speaking that to them, but he's speaking that to us today. So that's what I'm going to do this morning. I'm going to take God out his word. And if you need healing in your body or deliverance in your mind, I want you to come up here this morning. Could we stand up today? Come on, let's do resurrecting.